Life can be confusing and frustrating, can it? I mean, it can just be downright curious to why it is the way it is. We live in a world where, where there can be so much beauty and so much ugly all at the same time. And it's just difficult to comprehend. I mean, there's the beauty and the innocence of children who truly can, at the same time, experience the horror of poverty and abuse. There's the the beauty of nature, the glory of nature, but in a second, it can turn around into the devastation of a tsunami or a tornado or an earthquake. There's, There's the beauty of life, but, of course, we know that it's always in the shadow of the reality of disease and suffering and pain and brokenness and even death confusing, it's frustrating, it's hard to understand. It makes you just want to scream out, why is the world the way it is? And the good news is that God doesn't avoid the tough questions. He answers them. But we have to be willing to listen. And all you have to do is go back into the Bible where he's communicated his truth, where he's communicated his answers and solutions to our frustration, our confusion, our questions, and then believe it. In fact, I really encourage you somewhere along the time this next week to read Genesis 1 through 5 because in that story, the stories that unfold in the very beginning of time as God communicates them to us, we have the understanding and the elements that will help us to get answers to the questions we have in our story. It helps to address the confusion and frustration we have. And so let's go back as we continue in this series, plus minus, to the very beginning. Because in the beginning, God didn't create the world in this confusing and frustrating way. He didn't create the world to be filled with beauty and ugly at the same time. And yet, that's our reality. How did it happen? Well, in the beginning, Adam and Eve ultimately inherited this perfect environment, the world as God intended it to be. But then Adam and Eve turned the pluses of creation, the positives of what God designed, into unbelievable minuses into the negatives, the destructive realities we experience today. I mean, they literally took this world that God had created and had looked down upon completion and said, now that's good. And they turned it to that which could only be defined as bad. They took a world of innocence and they transformed it into a world of shame and guilt. They took a perfect environment and by a simple choice, They transformed it into a place of harsh and very real difficulties. They took what God meant to be loving, generosity, and sharing of life through relationships, and they turned it into that which became conflict and war and brokenness and separation in relationships. I mean, they blew it. And all of this from seemingly a simple, meaningless, harmless choice. I mean, when you read Genesis 1 through 5, you realize this seemed like a pretty innocuous choice. Should I eat that fruit or not? Not a big deal. And yet that one seemingly harmless choice was a choice that transformed the world from everything God had originally designed it to be to everything we're experiencing today. Why? Because it was forbidden by God. And when she made a choice and Adam followed, 
in doing that which was forbidden by God, they lost everything that God had intended for them and they gained everything God did not want for them. I mean, he had told them, when you go against my way, when you decide to reject me in life, you lose life itself because whether it looks like it or not or feels like it or not, I am your only source for life. And here's the problem we have. We face these kind of choices daily. Every single day we face the power of a choice. Will we, like them, choose to do what God forbids or not to do what God commands and thus experience life at its worst? Will we be there? It's the power of the choice. And here's the big problem in the world that we've inherited. The big problem is that it is still now a negative world. Everything that was lost in the beginning is still lost today. Everything that it transformed into, a world of shame, a world of darkness, a world of conflict, a world of loss, it still is today. We live in a negative world today, and the real problem is that, by nature, it significantly influences us, this negative world. I absolutely love how art communicates truth with so many nuances and so many different feelings and understandings, and I love it when our team here at Northridge is able to put together a piece of art that communicates with so much pathos and so much poignancy the metaphor behind the truth. Well, we just experienced that with that bitter earth dance and video. And I don't know if you captured the, the artistic meaning behind it, but you have these two young people standing in pure light, in absolute innocence, but then as the lyrics of this bitter earth are played out, you have the events of life starting to overshadow their lives and interconnect with their lives and start consuming them until at the very end, there's no longer any pure light left. It's just this historical reality of the world in which they have lived and experienced consuming them and covering them. And that is the metaphor of our lives. You see, life begins so innocently, doesn't it? I mean, the beauty of a baby, it's like standing in a bright light with no darkness at all. It starts seemingly so innocently, but then ultimately our lives are consumed by the realities of this negative world. Our lives are consumed with the struggle and the disappointments and the losses and the pain and the loneliness and the brokenness and the sorrow and ultimately the death of those we love, those around us or even our own death. The world is a negative place, and by nature, it influences us. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, where God really defines it out for us. He says, our struggle, and this is what I love about the Bible. The Bible doesn't pretend that life is something it's not. The Bible doesn't put a mask on the realities we experience. I mean, he's saying right here, the struggle we're in, the wrestling match we're in, the problems we face... The struggle we're in isn't just against other people. It's not just against flesh and blood, it says, but it's against rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces. You can't even see they exist in, this, in the heavenly realms. And he's saying, we are in a struggle, but it's much bigger than what we see. It's outside of our own experience and outside of our sight. And then the phrase that I really want you to see that God defines our world by is he says, our struggle is against the powers of this dark world. 
God doesn't pretend this world is all beauty and no ugly. God doesn't pretend this world is all joy and no sorrow. God doesn't pretend this world is all good and no bad. He says it's a struggle against the powers of this dark world. This world is a negative place. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, and don't be misled, bad company corrupts good character. You cannot exist in a world of negativity without being corrupted by it. You can't live in a world with such dark powers and not be impacted by it. We live in a negative world, and by nature, it influences us. No wonder life is so confusing, and life is so frustrating, and life is so hard. No wonder we want to throw our hands up at times and say, why in the world did God make it like this? Why is the world like this? It's because it's this kind of world, and it influences us. Now, it's at this point in the talk, usually, that people start going, well, thanks for the encouragement. But I want you to know there's absolutely no way that we can get to the plus side of life if we don't acknowledge the realities of the minuses. If we don't address reality, we will never be able to transform the reality that is what we've inherited into that which God has made possible for us. And yet, in churches all over the world and in in seminars all over the world, people try and get us to experience the positives without ever addressing the realities. They become cheerleaders for joy, but they never address the things that rob us of joy. We need to understand this world is a negative place, and it does corrupt us, it does impact us, it does influence us, it does bring negativity into our experience, but then God gives the great truth, the good news. Jesus has made a way for us to experience the positives that he originally designed creation to be. He's made a way possible for us to experience the positives of his original creation even as we continue to live in the midst of the negatives of our present world. We can't experience the positives that God has designed for us if we deny the realities of this negative world, but we can experience the positives that God has designed for us even in the midst of the reality of a negative world. And this is what Jesus said in John 10.10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy That's the evil one. That's the one who was present in the garden tempting Eve to say, that fruit that God has forbidden, come on, it's no big deal. It's a simple, harmless choice. It's just a different kind of food. Go ahead and take it, and you're going to find it's better than anything you've had before. And all he was trying to do is for her to see it as a simple and harmless choice when God says it's a complex and a destructive choice. And his whole goal was to steal and to kill and destroy everything that God intended for her and for Adam. And it worked. And it explains why we live in such a negative world today. But then Jesus says, but in the midst of a world where he's trying to steal and kill and destroy, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says, I've come so that you might once again experience the positives God originally designed for you, even in the midst of all the negative junk that's going on. And then I think he gives another great illustration of that in John 16, The words of Jesus, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, so that you can really get the full impact of what John 16, is saying, I, I think that out of the whole, I have to extract a phrase that's the operative phrase of the whole thing. 
And the phrase is the seven-word sentence in the middle of that verse. And I want you to get this so much. It's so important to the communication of the whole plus-minus principle of this series that I'm going to get you to say it with me. The seven words very clearly are, in this world you will have trouble. Now the reason I just said it before I'm going to have you say it is because I've tried to get you to say things before without being really clear and it doesn't work real well. Alright, so I'll say it again. We're going to say these seven words. In this world you will have trouble. Alright, say it with me. In this world you will have trouble. Right on. Jesus, this is a negative place. And by nature, it is going to influence you negatively. You can't live in a place of darkness without having the shadows of darkness on your life. You can't live in a world of pain without having pain delivered into your life. You can't live in a world of rejection without experiencing rejection yourself. You can't live in a world of hatred without experiencing the consequences of hatred in your life. You can't do it. In this world, you will have trouble because the negative forces of this dark world are real. And I need to extract now from that seven-word sentence, which is the operative phrase of that verse, one word so that you can really understand it. And I'm going to get you to say it with me, and it's the word will. So say that word, will. In this world, you will have trouble. Not you might have trouble. Not it could happen to you. You might escape it. You will have trouble. And yet, isn't it interesting? We're always surprised when we have trouble. Because we live under this false assumption of the fact that we can change this negative world by the force of our will. That that we can turn it on its head. That we can overcome it. That we can skate by without experiencing the impact of it. And we can. And yet, we still buy those people who claim to be teaching Jesus' truth when they tell us the opposite of what he said. There are people all over the country in the name of Jesus say, if you have enough faith, you won't get sick. If you have enough faith, you won't experience brokenness. If you have enough faith, you won't experience loss. If you have enough faith, you'll never lose a job. If you have enough faith, all your dreams will come true. And if I could just tell you what Jesus would say to them, that is a load of manure. It's not true. Jesus says, if you have enough faith... You will still have trouble in this world. But in the midst of the trouble, you can be of good cheer. In the midst of the trouble, you can have peace. Because I've overcome the world. Jesus didn't come and tell us that he could take this negative world and transform it to all positives if we just follow him That's the ultimate reality of our eternity, but that will never be the reality of this earth as we're living it now. But Jesus did say, you can experience the positives that God has originally designed for you in creation, even in the midst of the negative realities of this world, because I have overcome the world. This is a great truth. We'll always be in this journey we're in before Jesus comes back and transforms everything. We will always be in a negative world, but we can still experience God's positive realities. Are you? Now, if we're going to do that, we have to know the way. So we know the beginning, right? They, they, with a simple choice, seemingly simple choice, transformed all that was good into a very destructive place. We know the truth. Jesus has come so that he could once again allow us to experience the positives in this world, even in the midst of the negative realities in our lives. But, but we have to know the way. And Jesus gave us the way. 
And if we're going to truly experience the plus side of life that Jesus has made possible even in the minus realities of this world, we have to know the way. And here's the first part of the way. We have to first of all recognize the sources for all the negatives in our world. I mean, what are the sources for the dark realities that we experience in this world? What are the sources? If we don't know the sources, we'll never be able to defend ourselves against them. If we don't know the sources, they're going to continue to feed the destructive realities into our lives, and we will never be able to put them in check. If we don't know the sources, we'll never be able to overcome them. And Jesus made very clear what the sources of the negative realities that so impact and influence us are in this world. The problem isn't that we don't know them. The problem is that we don't buy it. Which means they're going to continue to defeat us because we don't recognize their reality in our lives. So what are those sources? Well, I thought I'd put them front and center for you to see. If we're going to truly understand it, we have to understand that the evil one's goal is to get us not to believe in these sources at all so that he can continually defeat us by the things we don't believe in. But if we can recognize them as Jesus taught us, that that these are real, that these are going to defeat us if we're not careful, if we can recognize these sources, then we can start taking action against them. And the very first source that Jesus says is clearly introducing darkness into our lives and into our world is this. What? Sin. I know, it's a very common word. In probably every one of your marketplace reviews, your boss has talked about sin, right? In all of your daily conversations in the public school system or in your academic settings, sin is a big part of the philosophical understanding of your teachers, right? We hear it from our politicians all the time. No, we see it in our politicians all the time. I'm sorry. I got that one wrong. Sin. What is sin? It is simply when I choose to do what God has forbidden. This is what we see Adam and Eve doing in the garden. And this is what transformed this world from innocence to shame, from love to hatred. But sin is something else. Sin isn't just doing what God has forbidden. Sin is not doing what God has commanded. Sin is deciding that I will do what I want to do. I will do what feels right to me. Who cares what God says? And the minute I choose to follow my own path and be my own God is the minute I walk away from everything that God designed for me because you can't experience life without the source of life. Sin is the source. And every single one of us participates in it. Look what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, talking about Adam's choice to reject God, to push God out, just as sin entered the world through one man's choice and death through sin, and in this way now death has come to all men because all have sinned. This isn't just my problem. This isn't just Adam's problem. This is your problem. This is our problem. This is why the world remains a negative place. Sin is one of the sources, but it's not the only source. Jesus makes it very clear there's another source of all the negatives in our world. And the source, once again, the reason I told you to, to read Genesis 1 through 5 is because in that story are all the sources that brought about the negative, destructive realities of our world. There wasn't just sin occurring in that story, but we also find the character of who? Satan. 
Satan is a huge source for the destructive realities in our world. He's trying to steal and kill and destroy, as we've already seen. Jesus has come to combat him to give us life and life to the full. But look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. It says, the God of this age. And when it says the God of this age, it's saying the author, the creator, the designer of the age in which we now live has literally blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they can't even see the light of the gospel. And the gospel is the word for good news. The reason they can't see the good news that the positives that God created us for are once again available to us is because Satan has blinded their minds has made them dismiss the realities and so they can't see the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Satan is a reality. He's the God of this age. You want to know the explanation for all the destructive forces in this world, the powers of this dark world, the rulers, the authorities behind it? You want to know where the real struggle begins and exists? It's with the evil one. He's the one that promotes us to do what God has forbidden or to not do what God has commanded because... He knows that will destroy us. And we keep doing it over and over and over again. And you know what's really sad? We're going to continue to live in defeat to the evil one because he's blinded our minds so significantly in this world and culture that the vast majority of us don't even believe he's real. And when you don't believe that an enemy is real, you can never stand up to that enemy. You will always live in defeat you get cancer and you just say I just don't believe I have cancer when you're dead it might be time to believe it my wife and I have had an uncle who decided that you know he wasn't going to believe this cancer could take him out in spite of what the doctors were saying he wasn't going to believe it he wasn't going to do anything medically he was just going to pray and it was going to do it and you know you know and then he died and here was my thought God gave you a brain And you could have used it to recognize this is a force that's destroying your life. Why not do everything in your power to tackle it? But it's an illustration of how we face life. When you don't believe in Satan, he's a cancer that will destroy you every single time. But sin and Satan aren't the only sources for the negatives. Wouldn't it be great if we could just blame sin and Satan? Oh, yeah, problem with my life, sin and Satan. Problem with my life, sin and Satan. We'd be victims of sin and Satan. But Adam and Eve cannot blame sin and Satan. They ultimately have to take blame themselves. The third source for all the negatives in this world, though sin and Satan are realities, the third source is what? You are the problem. No, I mean we, sorry. Every single one of us is significantly influenced by Satan and sin. But know this, it never defeats us until we ourselves choose it. The sources for negatives in this world that bring about all the dark realities are sin and Satan itself. Look what the Bible says in Romans 7, 18, and 19 about self. Paul the Apostle says, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful self, my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what's good. I mean, I, I know what's good. I have the desire to love like I should love and care like I should care and live like I should live. I have the desire to do what's good, but I cannot carry it out. It's beyond me. For what I do is ultimately not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep doing. And I don't know about you, but that's the story of my life. 
I mean, I know what kind of husband I want to be and what kind of dad I want to be and what kind of pastor I want to be and what kind of man I want to be, what kind of believer I want to be. But on my own, I just can't, I can't carry it out. Can you? I mean, the realities are that I am my worst problem. We have to recognize the source, sin, Satan, and self. But then we have to go to the next step. If we're going to know the way to experiencing the positives that Christ has for us, the promises that he's made to us, then we have to take it a step further. Not only do we have to recognize the sources, sin, Satan, and self, but we have to recognize the significant power they have over us. These are not little forces that are easy to step over and defeat. These are significant powers that are going to absolutely destroy us every time. It's like Paul says, I I have the desire to do what's good, but I can't carry it out. We have to recognize the power sin, Satan, and self have in our lives. And know this, because I know a lot of you are searching that come to Northridge Church and you're watching on Church Online. So glad you're watching in Church Online. But a lot of you are going... You know, I don't even believe in the whole sin-Satan thing, the whole sinful nature. I don't even believe in that. Doesn't mean they don't have power. Whether you believe in them or not, whether you recognize them or not, whether you acknowledge them or not, whether you make choices to protect yourself from them or not, doesn't change the fact that they are the reason you experience the destructive force of darkness in your life in this world. The only way we can start defending ourselves against them is by recognizing their power, by recognizing that we have to deal with them. Look at how Jesus talks about it. John chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a, say that next word, slave to sin. Everyone who sins is literally in bondage to sin. That's power. Sin is your master if you've ever sinned before. Now, this is where it's important for you to recognize that you have, you know, and yet there are still people in this world who say, you know, yeah, I haven't, I haven't ever sinned, so that's not my problem. I, I, I would love to talk to the people who know you best. So if I could talk to your parents, they'd say, no, they've never sinned. If I could talk to your spouse, maybe I should talk to your third spouse. No, I've never sinned. I'm telling you, you have. And the Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And Jesus says, once you've stepped into the world of sin, once you've submitted yourself to the powerful influences of the evil one and you've decided to do what God has forbidden or not to do what God has commanded, once you've done that, you are in bondage to sin. You can't do anything but continue to sin. That's power. You can try and pretend it's not true but it continues to be true. And what about the power of Satan? Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, 8. Peter says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion, a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And he knew what he was talking about because Peter did not believe in the significant power of the evil one. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times, man. And Peter said, no, no, man. Everybody else might deny you, but not me. I love you more than these. In fact, I'm going to tell you, I will go to the death for you. And Jesus said, you better, you better watch and pray because Satan's trying to take you down. And Peter didn't buy it. And what happened to Peter? 
he got taken down. And now later, after he learned his lesson, he says, I want you to be sober and be vigilant, be self-controlled. Don't be like I was. Understand the significant power of the evil one. He's like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. And you know why he's so successful these days? Because most of us don't even believe he's there. And so he can take us down anytime he wants. What about the significant power of self? Well, look what the Bible says about that. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, this is what Paul the Apostle says. For the sinful nature, the sinful self that exists and resides in every single one of us desires what's contrary to the Spirit. In other words, the nature that we are born with from Adam and Eve literally desires everything contrary to what God's Spirit desires. And God's Spirit desires everything that's contrary to our sinful self, our sinful nature. They are literally in conflict with each other so that we don't do what we want. And yet, how do most of us live? Most of us live by following our feelings. Most of us live by following our own wisdom. Most of us live by following our own desires. And here's the reality. What I naturally desire is contrary to what God has authored for me. And when we come to follow Christ, we start following our feelings. Hey, I'm just going to do it. If it feels right, do it. If it feels right, run from it. I mean, that's really more... In fact, I don't know. How many of you ever watched the, the comedy TV show Seinfeld? Did you ever watch that? All right, three of you admitted it. Very good. The rest of you are liars and you watch Seinfeld. Okay, I get it. Uh, I know it's got some stuff in there that's not great, but boy, was it about real life. And there was a character in Seinfeld, George Costanza. You know, he wasn't the most successful guy in the world. He wasn't the pattern for how you should live your life. And in fact, he just was constantly a bumbling idiot in many ways. But there was one episode of Seinfeld where George Costanza finally realized it. His life was messed up because every choice and decision he ever made was exactly wrong. So he decided that in every circumstance of life, he was going to do the opposite of what he would naturally do. The opposite. And so when he came up, he'd, he'd say, this is what, oh, and he'd do the opposite. And he became successful for a short time because he was doing the opposite. And that's so funny and it's, it's so trite seemingly, but it's so real. Because the truth is, by nature, we tend to be compelled towards that which will destroy us instead of that which will give us what God has designed for us. So we need to recognize the source of sin, Satan and self, and we need to understand that they have a significant power over us. They define the reality of our choices in our lives, and it helps explain the confusion and the frustration and the beauty and ugly of our world. Why we're in a world of tension and conflict. But there's one last part of the way. It doesn't end with the negative. It ends with the positive. Jesus is now our only hope. Because we are owned by sin, Satan, and self, Jesus has made it possible for us to experience positives in the midst of the negative, but he is the only way we can experience those. He is our only hope. He himself said it. Look at John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. No one! We don't get to the Father except through him. Look at Colossians chapter 2, two verses, verses 13 and 15. They address all three, sin, Satan, and self. It says, when you were dead in your sins. Why dead in your sins? Because when you push God out of your life, you don't have the author of life. You only have the author of destruction. And so he says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision 
of your sinful self, your sinful nature, God made it possible for you to be alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. That's what the cross was about. And on that cross, he disarmed the powers and the authorities. He's now talking about the evil one. So he's addressing sin, Satan, and self. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he literally made a public spectacle of them, a, show, a, a triumphant showing over them. And how did he do it? What are the last three words? By the cross. Jesus overcame sin and Satan and self by the cross. So here's the good news. Though these are the sources of negatives and they influence every one of us, though these are a significant power over us that cause us to live dominated by the darkness and destruction of this world, Jesus Christ, the Savior, trumped them. The Savior trumps sin, Satan, and self. The Savior, Jesus Christ, disarmed their powers. Jesus triumphed over them. That's what the cross of Jesus Christ is about. That's why he's the only way, the only hope. Because only Jesus overcame sin and overcame Satan and overcame sinful self. Only Jesus. And then he did what only he could do. He took death, the consequence of sin, Satan, and self on himself. And then he burst forth in new life so he could give it to us. The Savior trumps the negative and brings the pluses back into our world. This is huge. Think about what happened. The ultimate positive, Jesus Christ, met the ultimate negative, sin, Satan, and self. And he won. And now we have that positive in our life. This is huge. He won. And so now, even in the midst of all of life's negative realities, we can experience the positive of God's original design. The Savior trumps sin, Satan, and self. Now, of course, we can try and have a positive attitude apart from Christ. I mean, you get it in positive motivational seminars all the time. You get it in, you know, good cheerleading spiritual environments all the time. Just go out and do it. Have some joy. This week, go have joy. Joy. Does that change your life? Come in, I'll tell you the good news that doesn't exist anywhere but in the fabricated, manufactured, bizarre mind of my own, and then you can go out and feel even worse than before you came in. The only thing I can do apart from Jesus Christ is fake it until I make it. But I'll never make it. The only thing I can do without Jesus Christ is pretend that sin doesn't enslave me, pretend that Satan isn't real, and pretend that myself can make different decisions than it's ever made. I can manufacture a positive attitude. I can make believe a positive attitude. I can put on all this stuff that I want in my life, but it doesn't do anything for me. It just leaves me where I was. But in Christ, we can genuinely know the positives, love and hope, even in the midst of a world of hatred and despair. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's what the cross was about. The one who never sinned, so wasn't enslaved by it. The one who never fell to Satan's influence, so was never uh, uh, defeated by him. The one who never surrendered to a sinful self took death, 
the consequence of sin on himself on that cross so that he could give us the gift of God, which is eternal life, and it's only through Jesus Christ our Lord. You've got to accept the gift. And look at John 8, 36. If the Son sets you free, you will be what? If the Son sets you free, you'll be free. You won't have to pretend. You won't have to make believe. You won't have to manufacture. You won't have to put it on. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free. In the midst of trouble, you can have peace. In the midst of trouble, you can have good cheer. Because if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Now let's be honest and step back. It's true. This is a bitter earth. At best, it's bittersweet. Beauty with ugly. A sense of innocence, but always alongside shame. It's bitter. It can be, as that song and that video and dance showed, so cold, so confusing, and so frustrating. But it doesn't have to leave us cold. It doesn't have to leave us filled with bitterness and anger and selfishness and discontentment. It doesn't have to leave us living in the shadows of this world because Jesus can set us free from that. But it boils down to a choice. The power of a choice. It wasn't just something Adam and Eve confronted. It's something that we confront every single day. The power of a choice. Freedom's available. But will you choose it? Life and fullness are available, but will you choose it? The plus side is available, but will you choose it? And it boils down, really, to two questions. And I really encourage you, honor the moment. Embrace these two questions. Think them through. The first one is this. Have you received Jesus? Have you received Jesus? This is not just a silly little religious question that doesn't matter in your life. This is the question upon which all of life rests because only Jesus overcomes sin, Satan, and self. Only Jesus can allow us to experience the positives in the midst of the negatives. Have you received him? I'm not talking about have you been through the sacraments, you know? Have you done the sacraments? Have you been through catechism? Have you, have you been baptized do you go to a church of a certain name? Were you born in a certain denominational reality? I didn't ask you if you come to church. I didn't ask you if you gave a million dollars to God. I know you didn't do it here. No one ever has. Uh, I didn't ask you that. Have you received Jesus? John 1.12 says, but as many as received him who really put their trust in his name instead of trusting that they can overcome sin, Satan, and self on their own. They put their dependence and their trust in him. God gives them the right to be called children of God. You want to go from consumed by the realities of this negative world back to a place where you exist in the light and innocence of God? You need to let Jesus in. Have you? Just before I move into the second question, I'm going to ask you if you'd bow with me in a word of prayer. And I just really want you and encourage you to contemplate this prayer. If you're here and you've never experienced the freedom that Jesus can give you from the inside out, receive them today. Pray with me. Just take my words and make them yours. Just say, Jesus, though I don't understand it all right now, I know I need you. 
And so I'm receiving you by faith. I acknowledge and I admit that I have sinned. I have fallen to the temptations and influence of Satan. And that I have a sinful self that keeps making the wrong choices. But I believe you died on the cross to forgive me and rose again to trump the negatives in my life. Come into my life and change me in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just before I ask the last question and we get out of here, I want to encourage you, if you just prayed with me, please let us know. We have a letter we'd love to send to you about next steps that you can take in your relationship with God. And all we need from you is to know that you prayed. So inside the programs we give you in our live services is a connection card. You just take it out. You fill it out. And on the bottom it says, today I prayed to receive Jesus in my life. And there are boxes at every exit. Just throw it in there and we'll send you that information. We want to help you connect more deeply with God. If you're watching on Church Online, there's a What Next button. You can do the exact same thing. We'd love to have you pursuing your relationship with God in a bigger way. But there's a second question. And I think this applies to most of us. If you've received Jesus Christ, the second question is, are you remaining in Jesus? Are you remaining in him? Jesus talks about it this way in John chapter 15, verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He's saying, this is what it's like. I am the source of life. And you are branches that when you're attached to me, have my life. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me, daily makes the choice to let my life flow through him or her, and I remain in them, they will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Are you remaining in Jesus? Every single day, we're confronted with this choice. Will I depend on him or me? When you depend on you, you will fall to sin, Satan, and self. When you depend on him, you will triumph over it. Can I ask a question? Have you been triumphing over it? Or have you been surrendering to it? Are you defined by the plus side or the minus side? You're going to experience trouble. The question is how? In him or without him? Remember this. The negative world we live in today, all of the darkness and all of the ugly stems from a choice. A choice. It seemed simple, it seemed meaningless, it seemed harmless, but it wasn't. It was powerful. And the new good news is we can turn around the devastation of all of the bad choices in our lives and our world with one simple choice of our own, but we have to make it. I'm going to receive Jesus, and then every day I'm going to choose to remain in him. And when I do, I will turn a minus world into a plus world world in my life. I will be light in a world of darkness. It's my prayer that each and every one of us will make that choice, but it's yours to make. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.